All right, our speaker for this hour is Lance Petrillo. Uh, I think many of you know him, but maybe several of you don't. Uh, Lance is one that actually grew up in this congregation. Uh, he is my older brother, um, and uh, he's one that has worked as a youth minister for, I think it was seven years at Columbine, and then the young adult minister for a while at that, uh, all while being a math teacher throughout that entire time, which has been his, uh, his main profession. Um, of all of the things that I could say about my brother, it's kind of interesting to think about... Um, how our relationship, my brother and I, has changed over time. Because I was the annoying little brother. And he was kind of the intolerant older brother. And so it took us a while to realize that we were on the same team. And once we've realized that we could help each other, not to mention when I say the same team, I mean spiritually, uh, he has been one of the greatest encouragers to me. He's been one of the greatest examples of Christian behavior that I know of to this day. And if you spend any amount of time with him, you'd come to realize the same thing. Um, he speaks from the heart, and he gets uh, right down to kind of the... Uh, the heart of the matter. And so uh, I always walk away a better man, a better Christian after listening to my brother. And so give him your attention this morning. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I turned it on. It's not working. But, yeah. Um, so when Brett reached out to ask me to talk about the challenges of COVID, I thought, perfect. Because in my professional career, I'd work with kids every day. And I saw firsthand, daily, what they were going through, the challenges that COVID brought. We're talking about three challenges of COVID. And of course, I'm not giving you an exhaustive list of every single challenge. I'm also not gonna tell you that these are the three biggest challenges that you faced throughout COVID. But these are three of the biggest. I'm also going to say and just remind you that there may be something that we addressed that you're thinking, that didn't bother me. That's okay. But I will tell you that the three things that we're discussing are important, impactful, relevant to every single one of your lives. Maybe not now, but it will be. There are stages of growth and development. Hey, Jeremy, can you close that door there? Thanks. When I was a student uh, at Harding University, one of the things that we needed to learn about, talk about, was stages of growth and development. Because we're working with teenagers, we're working with kids. And how, what, what are we going to see? When a kid is 10, what are they going to be going through? When a kid is 15, what are they going to be going through? And so the stage in which you are all currently in is called identity versus role confusion. And what that means is this. Here's like a little snapshot of a stage that you are currently in. You may feel confused or insecure about the role that you play in society. You want to establish yourself and begin thinking regularly about what's next, what's ahead. When you're established, what are you going to be? 
what is that going to look like? What if you don't know what you want to be? Here's some questions that I want you to I want to your feedback on. How many of you think about college? Show hands. Okay. How many of you are worried about college? And let me preface that question by saying, worrying in such a way that you don't know where you're going to go. How are you going to pay for it? What you're going to major in? But that's okay because that's natural, it's normal, it's okay to be worried. How about how many of you think about what you want to be when you grow up? Probably all of us, all of you. Again, are you nervous about that? It's okay if you are, that's normal. How many of you worried about getting married? Who are you gonna find? Will I get married? Well, is there someone out there for me? That's also normal. That's a part of the stage that you're in. Who are you going to become? Identity versus role confusion. How about, do I want to play basketball or do I want to play the violin? Or, well, you may be unaware about these questions but they're, they're in your mind. They're constantly floating around in your mind. And in fact, every single day you're answering probably dozens of questions about who you're going to be. It's not just on the forefront of your mind. Uh, am I going to gravitate toward this group of friends? Or I've got this one good friend over here that I'm going to focus on and put my effort and energy into. Again, you may not be noticing that you're answering those questions, but you are making the choices every single day. So when COVID hit, you were all forced to isolate. And in the stage that you're in, identity versus role confusion, you get the majority of your answers to who you're going to be via your social interaction. In fact, there's studies that suggest that around 80% of a person's establishment, who they become, is determined based on social interaction with other people. And so therefore, COVID hit, you're forced to isolate, but all the questions that I just asked you put on pause, you know what? You don't have to worry about if you're gonna to go to college or not because COVID's here, so don't even worry about it. No, because every day you woke up, you're one day closer to having to answer the question of college. Just because COVID hit the question of who, who, am I, who are my friends going to be next year? Well, that's not put on pause because the day is still coming Well, that decision has to be made. And so the first challenge that COVID brought to teens was that you are driven to social media. There's not a, anything wrong with wanting to be accepted, wanting to be included, wanting to be a part of what's happening out there. Nothing wrong with that. 
But before COVID, where did you go? School? And you hung friends. And you got to determine, what do I like? I love to play football. That's who I want to be. I love playing the piano. That's who I want to be. I like hanging out with these people and these people. But when you're forced to isolate, all of those desires didn't just stop. And so I'm going to social media. I'm going to take a look at what's going on here because your desire to be connected didn't go away. But that's why it's a challenge because it's a problem. So, again, just to package what I'm saying, your identities are still being molded. All the pieces are still being molded. And many of the questions I asked earlier are still floating around waiting to be answered while you're sitting at home by yourself, just twirling your thumbs. Okay, something I do as a teacher is I ask for a temperature check. I call it a temperature check, okay? How good are you feeling? So one means you, in this scenario, the question I'm about to ask, one is you weren't impacted at all. It didn't bother you at all. Five would mean you were heavily impacted and it bothered you greatly. So my question to you is, and I just want you to show me your temperatures, okay? How impacted were you by being isolated during COVID? One means not at all. Five means pretty impacted. Show me. Okay, hands down. I saw mainly threes, fours, and fives. I saw a few of you like this. <laughs> My response to that would probably have been a one. But do you know why? I'm already who I am. I don't need social interactions to help me determine what's the, the next step for me. But for you, if we go back to the researchers and psychologists who state that 80% of your overall being is determined through social interaction, that matters to you. But here's the problem with social media. And there's really just one. When you hop on to social media, the moment that you log in, it is feeding you one subliminal message, driving it into your brain. And here it is. You are not good enough. That's it. You hop on and you see this guy who just got this awesome new car. But you think, oh man, I wish I had that car. I wish I was that guy. I can't afford that car, so they're, I'm not good enough. Or you see one of your friends who's posting pictures of herself, and she's so beautiful. And her hair is nice, and she's wearing this new outfit that costs a lot of money, but I don't have that kind of money. I'm not good enough. And it's strange because everybody flocks to social media for one reason. 
I want to receive acceptance. I want to have positive attention on myself. But there's nothing wrong with that. Who likes to be encouraged? I do. But I want to frame the danger that you're stepping into. There was a research done and studied done back in 2010. And because of the idea of social media at the time, social media was Facebook. That was it, essentially. And they started to diagnose patients with a new condition that they were tying to social media and the amount of depression and anxiety that it was causing these patients. And they said, we're, we're seeing that people's self-worth is tied to the number of likes they're getting on Facebook. Isn't that sad? I'm going to post this picture. Ah, post. Okay. Two likes. One. Still two. <laughs> Have you guys ever heard about how um, the psychologists will say what a human being is? Uh, what's the what's the phrase they use? Um, there, there's, there's so many uh, people they can rest in your circle of people. And beyond that, we can't hold a whole lot more than that. The number is not high. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not 1,400. Like the number of friends that we have on Facebook. So challenge number one is driven to social media. Let me illustrate this for you. Take a look at this picture for a second. That should probably cause you to have a very similar reaction. A feeling of, oh man, the door's open, it's left open. I'm feeling nervous about that. And you're like, ah, oh, I need to close it and lock it, make sure it's locked. You guys being teenagers may not think of this very often, but do you want to make sure that your house is locked up at night? I do. This would make me super nervous. In fact, almost every single night, my wife says, did you lock up? I'm like, I go take care of that. But it's interesting because this is fearing those who can kill the body. Is it not? This is what we should be concerned with right there. And by the way, I'm not suggesting this to you. This is proven by people who don't even believe in God. This is the danger to a person's well-being in society. So God says, do not fear those who can kill the body. But fear him who can cast both body and soul into hell. And of course, he's referencing himself. Fear me. But this right here is not going to cause you to lose your faith in God. This right here is not going to cause you, if someone walks in and takes your life, like, oh, 
shouldn't have watched out because now you're going to hell. Nope. That right there will cause you to lose your soul. So I'm just saying, be careful. And don't forget on social media, what do people post on social media? The greatest and best and highest moments of life. It's not, it's not true. It's not accurate. It's not reality. Hey, challenge number two. It caused teenagers across the world to lose sight of their goals. It's also said by psychologists that setting goals is one of the healthiest things that a human being can do for their mental well-being, having goals. And so when you go to school, I understand some of you also may be homeschooled. You understand the concept. When you go to school, you have goals every day. You have goals to complete your homework. You have goals to get good grades. You have goals to win the championship of your sports team. You have goals to sit with her at lunch or to hang at lunch. You have goals to go over to your friend's house on the weekend. You have goals, goals, goals. But when COVID hit, all those things were wiped away. They were stripped from you. You didn't have a choice, but it went away. And so people were not able to articulate this, but you've all, you've all heard what happened to people's mental well-being throughout COVID. It started to decline. Depression, etc. This is one of the biggest reasons as to why that happened. So they just started saying, I got nothing to look forward to. What am I going to do tomorrow? I guess just sit here again. <laughs> and so you had no goals. And that impacted you negatively. I want you to, to go back, okay, to February of 2020. Think about this. 2020, February. What grade were you in? You did not rhetorical. I want you to think about it. How old were you in February of 2020? Now, it's funny because this is actually relatively long ago. But think about what your goals were at that time. Some of you were 14. What were your goals in life? What did you think about? Are you able to go back and think about this? I would argue that you might be able to, but most of you are probably having a hard time. Because when COVID hit, you lost sight of your goals. You didn't think about them anymore. And it probably wasn't until the year 2021, or even this year, you started to recapture some of the goals for your life. Also, a lack of routine causes us to lose sight of our goals. Going to school, for example, if you wake up every morning and you go to school, there's goals that are, you're being reminded of your goals continuously. But 
when you lose your routines, all the goals will go out the window like that. I don't even, what was I doing today? I don't even know. Okay, um, the third challenge is a loss of work ethic. Just last week on the news, on every station, they were talking about the CMAS results. Do you guys know what the CMAS is? It's the state test, okay? Math, reading, writing, etc. And guess what the results were? Not good. Well, number one is because we have lost like a year of good instruction and learning. But also, when students go went back to school, guess what? They were used to having no homework. They were used to not even going to, school, to, to the school building. And so therefore, they lost a lot of their work ethic that they had d developed for their whole life. In the news program, one of the programs I was watching, they said that evidence is suggesting that it's going to take some students four years to catch up. That's a problem. That's a challenge. Okay, we're doing great. I want us to do an exercise. Um, right the evening right here. If you have something to write with, that'd be awesome. If not, share with a friend. Okay, thank you. There you are. Okay, so we have addressed three challenges, but now I want to transition into how are we going to get better? How are we going to improve? What are we going to do now? This is an exercise that I came across by my friend Kyle, who's here with us today. This is 24 boxes. I've broken them into three rows, okay? Eight hours a piece. I'm going to have you fill the box in for how you spend your time every single hour. So here's an example. I would suggest that the top row you put X's all the way across because that's probably how much time we spend sleeping. So every single day, God has provided for us 24 hours. And we have to accomplish all of life's tasks in 24 hours. I laugh back, even more God, because we're sleeping. Okay, I did a little research on this. I want you to fill in the box right there and put self-care. Self-care. That includes getting up in the morning, putting your clothes on, changing your clothes, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, going to the bathroom, etc. If you tally all those things together, it's about an hour. 
Okay, next box. Put in food, meals, eating. You're gonna spend on average about one hour a day eating meals. But if it's lunch, dinner, snacks, etc. Now, of course, can we be doing other things while we're eating? Yeah, we can. Okay, now, I'm going to suggest a few items, but then I'll let you have some time to fill these in. If you go to school, you can fill those in. If you play a sport, how many hours do you play? Fill that in. If you have dance practice, if you have piano practice, etc., fill those in. Also think about what mom and dad may have you do. Think about, do you typically go and play outside with a friend for an hour? Be thinking about all the things that you do on a regular basis and fill that in. Don't forget video games. Don't forget TV, because you do it. Don't forget homework, because you do it. You better. Okay. <laughs> you probably should have between two to four hours left. What's interesting about this exercise is that 80% of your day, sometimes 90% of your day, is taken up almost for you. It's decided for you. Do you see now how valuable the remaining boxes of your life are? Are you going to choose to hop on and feed yourself with social media? with those remaining boxes? Are you going to choose to study God's word for an hour a day? Or reach out to someone to see how they're doing, etc. You understand the concept. Okay, we're gonna reference this in just a second. Also, you can see I've got some lines drawn that you guys can take some notes. Let's go back and talk about identity for a second. That's who you are, okay? What makes you tick? What makes you, you? This is something that I have learned only as an adult 
that teenager's face. I'm going to take a pause here. Let me have your attention back. There are elements of your identity that you have no control over. For example, I'm a white male. There's nothing I can do to change that. Also, I'm short. There's nothing that I can do to change that. And guess what, though? Those of you that are short or tall may think, I wish I was short like her. I wish I had blonde hair like him, or whatever the case may be. I've learned that when you're a teenager, those things bother you. Man, I wish I was this way. But guess what? There's a part of you that you cannot do anything about. Nothing. I find that teenagers waste a lot of time worrying about the pieces of their identity that they cannot change. So guess what? Just don't do it. I can see myself sitting where you are as a teenager. I would have loved to have taken that advice. I put a lot of my energy into wishing I was this way or that way. And guess what? It doesn't matter. None of it matters. Because God said, Lance, you're going to be this, 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 and this. I should have said, yes, sir. Thank you. I'm going to rock and roll. But the pieces of your identity that you can control, guess what? They are infinitely valuable. And so don't mess it up. What you've just written down on that page is pieces of your identity. Sports, music, etc. Okay, we're going to do another exercise. This is you. And of course, all of you are made up of pieces. And so we're going to do one more handout. This is going to be a little more challenging. I'm going to explain. So again, let me go back here, okay? This is you, but this is all the parts that make you, you. I want you to write down something in each section of you. What makes you, you? As an example, just so you're all clear of what I'm asking you to do, I love sports. So I would write sports into one of the pieces of me. That's part of who I am as a person. 
it's okay to cheat off of each other. You're stuck. You're like, ah, that is me. Yep, it's me. I'll give you like another minute. Okay, bring it back. So if I were to grab your page, I should say, who is this person? You should have just written down who you are. Oh, this person loves ballet. This person has, uh, their, their friends are an important piece of their life. That's, it's your identity. Okay, so pause where you are there, and then give me your attention up here. So, when you start to build your identity, you, you start to build the foundation one piece at a time, like this. As you go through life, this is becoming who you are. But remember, at the very beginning, right now, it's still TBD of who you're going to be. Which is why the years right now of your life are so important. Because you're determining, who am I going to be? Okay. Well, here's one. Job. My job is a super big part of my life. I mentioned sports. I love sports. That's part of that's, that's part of who I am. Money as an adult, you gotta have it. It's important for life. So this is part of my identity. Friends, as a human being, we need friends. Maybe some of you, this is going to be a hard one for you to admit. Your looks. If you're proud of how you look, it's, it's part of your identity. And it goes on and on. Okay. So... Here's, here's you, here's me, here's everybody, okay? And you fill in, you fill the cups in. Here's the problem. Every piece of this house, every part of my identity will not last. If I put all of my effort and my energy and my identity and my job, guess what? 
You come to this jaw out like then it all comes crashing down because you place too much of yourself into something that can so easily be taken away. Or your looks, or sports, etc. Alright, so let's go through each one of these. Okay, job. If you place a lot of your energy and your effort and your identity in your job, is this everlasting with something that no man can take away or destroy? Nope. So this is gone. It's part of who you are, but the problem is that just remember it can be taken from you. How about money? How many people put too much stock in this? I'm gonna say most people do. This can be this can be taken away. And even though it's a part of our lives, I've never met a single human in my life who said, what? Oh, I don't even like deal with money. I just, I just do life. No, we have to have money. But if you place importance, it can be taken away. Friends. Now, I would argue that scripturally, God suggests, hey, people are important, and they are. And you are, and I am, and we are. But guess what? Friends fight and they have a falling out. Friends move. So if you're placing a lot of your energy and effort and your stock in your friends, that's gonna go away. How about your looks? Do you know what God says about looks? Beauty is fleeting. Meaning you may look good right now, but you're not going to look good for very long. It's going to go away. How about sports? If you put all of your stock and your energy in sports, one car accident and it's over. Okay, now, am I saying none of this is important? No. I just crush those things that are part of my identity. I love my job as a teacher, I love it. I love seeing my students every day. I love working with them. I love coaching. I love playing sports. But those are things that can be taken away. And if, if you put too much stock into those things, you're going to be left disappointed. And so instead, you need to come along and lay this. This is Jesus Christ. Yeah. Who's going to move out? Who's going to take this away? Is this guy going to come bursting through the door and say, I demand you to uh, throw Jesus Christ away in the church? If someone holds a gun to your face and says, say that Jesus Christ does not exist, can I force you to do that? No. 
they can take your life, but they can't take this. If you place yourself here, you're gonna be disappointed. But if you place yourself here, you will never be disappointed. Let's read a, a story. Go to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. There are so many stories that we can go to that reference how powerful Jesus Christ is. But this is one of my favorite passages that illustrate this. Here's the, here's the situation. Chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gerasenes. When he got out of the boat, he, Jesus, Immediately, a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. And he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one was able to bind him anymore, even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been torn apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. Constantly, night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains and gashing himself with stones. Okay, pause. We have a legit psycho that everybody is afraid of. Have people tried with this guy? Yes. Did he put chains on himself? No. But there's one phrase that is powerful. Listen to this. And no one was able to bind him. Look in verse four. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. It wasn't for lack of trying. Do you think they're like, hey, go get Big John. Get him over here, put this guy in his place. No, because not Big John could do it. No one could. But then comes Jesus. And it's weird because it says, when he got out of the boat, immediately a man came to meet him. Let's continue reading. In verse 6, Jesus, seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran up and bowed down before him. Now, you have to understand, no one was able to subdue him. They've tried. They've, ch they've tried to change. The guy breaks the chains and shatters the shackles into pieces. No one, all of a sudden, Jesus comes by. And then Jesus is strong enough. He wrestles the guy to the ground. Like, see, look, I can, nope. Because there was no comparison, there's no competition, there was no effort given by this crazy guy because he knew the power of Jesus Christ. Let's continue. And shouting with a loud voice, he said, What business do we have with each other, Son of the Most High God? 
I implore you by God, do not torment me. You can read about the same story in the book of Luke. And this guy was tormenting others. In fact, in the book of Luke, it said this guy was so exceedingly violent that nobody could pass that way. No one could pass by that way. But Jesus shows up and says, oh, wait, what? There's a guy that I'm supposed to be scared of? Oh, I, I didn't know. This guy right here? This guy is sitting clothed in his right mind? That's who this is. As you think about the pieces of you, make sure that Christ is in every part of you, and you will never be disappointed. Amen. Amen.